Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin and how did they end? Let's find out on episode 341, Judah. Previously on The Fan of History, Assyria defeated Damascus to the great benefit of Israel. Well, Dan... Now that Israel's in a good spot, what are we going to see next? Well, we are now in the 790s BC, and I can no longer stop myself from talking about the kingdom of Judah. The existence of the kingdom based around Jerusalem Mm -hmm. is controversial at this point uh, among historians. There is very little archaeological evidence. Mm-hmm. Okay, but uh, there is a lot about Judah in the Bible. So, uh, but there are very interesting events in Judah in this episode, and I can't understand how these could the kingdom could not even be around at this time, and these things still happen. So, but hmm. first, I like to check in with the Assyrian king, like we tend to do. Sure. So Adad-Nirari III is the king of the Neo-Assyrian Empire. Assyria is the strongest state in the Near East, with Urartu as a close second north of uh, Assyria. Adad-Nirari III is the sixth king of the empire, and uh, he is a warrior king. He campaigns most years. We only have the data for the Western campaigns. And uh, this is the Western area, so maybe there is something (laughs) here. If you look at 796 BC, that's the magical date when I wanted to introduce Judah. And okay. it's, the, it's a guy called Amasiah who becomes the king of Judah. And this is kind of arbitrary on my part then. Uh, Jehoash, the grandson of Jehu, is the king in Israel. And 
it is possible that Judah existed as a vassal state of Israel before this. Hmm. Amaziah, the new king of Judah, then, is about uh, 25 years old okay. when he becomes the king. So, up and coming. <laughs> sure. Uh, his father was assassinated. Mm. And, uh, after Damascus was defeated by Adonirar III and the Assyrian army, Israel is in for a good time. Damascus was their big problem, and now Israel is doing great. Right. Do they have any, at this point, any major um, rivals? Well, not nearby, at least. Uh, I think their over their big political concern should be the rise of the Neo Syrian Empire. <laughs> right. But uh, right now they like the empire. And uh, at this time, also both Israel and Judah begins to count the years by the Assyrian method, that is based on uh, the king, their own king, but in the way that the Assyrians do it. Uh, so Amaziah is 25, he's the king of Judah. Judah is then around Jerusalem. It contains two of the twelve, uh, the main body of two of the twelve uh, uh, tribes of uh, Israel. And Amaziah looks around, he has a powerful Israel to the north that is formerly an ally, or at least a friend. Okay. So, and to the south, or very nearby, is the, the small kingdom of Edom that could previously have been a vassal state of Judah. So Amaziah decides that as a new king he has to act. So he wants to campaign against Edom and take it back as a vassal state. But Edom, he needs soldiers and Judah doesn't have many soldiers. So he decides to hire 10,000 mercenaries from Israel. Hmm. <laughs> With 10,000 mercenaries. That's, that's a lot of people at this that, time. That is. <laughs> I mean, Edom yeah, would just be crushed. Right. But then, while he's waiting for his 10,000 mercenaries, a prophet tells him that the Lord doesn't want him to use these mercenaries. So he goes, okay, if the big guy upstairs says that I can't use the mercenaries, I can't use the mercenaries. So he decides to attack before the mercenaries arrive in Judah. That seems crazy, but okay. And maybe it was, uh, it surprised the Edomites, I bet. They were like, oh, we hear he has hired all those mercenaries. Right. So an attack is not coming before the mercenaries are there, and then the attack comes. And in the Valley of Salt, Amaziah wins a victory over the Edomites, and he takes the stronghold of Selah. Which, is, which means rock. Uh, but uh, Edom, when Adad-Nirari III defeated Damascus, Edom also paid tribute to the Assyrian king, as did Judah and Israel. So, and we know that the Assyrians will help their vassal states. True. If you pay tribute to the Assyrians, you actually get something back. So here the Edomites would have the option of requesting help from the Assyrians as they were being attacked. But there is no record of such a request. Uh, so Amaziah wins. He brings back treasure. 
including some really nice looking idols of the Edomite gods. So the Edomites have been worshipping these idols and Amasai is like really impressed with these idols. Like, Look what I took from the Edomites. They are awesome, these idols. And these idols will be back in our story. So imagine some really, really impressive looking idols that you kind of want to worship. Uh-oh. It's sort of a shame if you have these idols and don't worship them. Because they're such good-looking idols, right? They are fantastic. Meanwhile, in Judah, the Israeli mercenaries arrive. So there are 10,000 mercenaries arriving in Judah. And they're told that they're no, they no longer needed. They can go home. And they have like brought all these weapons and marched away from home. <laughs> They're yeah, like intent they, they, on finding booty right. and having a nice war. They were ready to fight. Yeah, so they just decide to fight. Uh, whoever. So they go on a rampage in Judah, killing, destroying, plundering, and like making up for their lost business opportunity in the Edomite war. And then they go back to uh, uh, Israel. They, it seems that they were paid for their for arriving in Judah under their contract, then, but just not used. But they took the payment and they still plundered Judah, and then they went back to Israel. So when Amaziah and the Judah army comes back to Jerusalem, the countryside at least has been plundered by these mercenaries. And people are upset. Uh, where the hell were you? Why are you? Why didn't you defend us against this horrible mercenary horde? Why right. were they here, by the way? And uh, Amaziah is not happy about this, so he decides to complain to the king of Israel, Joash. And in response, Joash tells Amaziah a story. Where Yoash is a cedar tree and Amasiah is a thornbush. Okay. So how do you interpret that? Hmm. That uh, he wants, he thinks he should be cleared out so he can grow stronger. That's what it <laughs> seems to me. Yeah, so I, I'm this awesome big tree and you're this little ugly thornbush. Amasiah gets uh, pissed off at this, so he declares war against Israel. Doesn't uh, seem wise. No, but the guy is 25, he just won a, a fantastic victory and got these awesome idols. So he is on top of the world, he will crush Joash and show him who's the boss. And in Bet Shemesh in northwestern Judah, the two armies meet. Mm-hmm. And Judah is uh, not doing well in this battle. So Israel wins. Joash and the Israel army takes Jerusalem. And for some reason they don't unite the kingdoms because uh, uh, there, there must be, have been some reason. That seems like a ripe opportunity to gr like grow the size of, of Israel. I think there could be... Uh, religious reasons, oh. but he Joash imposes a heavy tribute on Judah, and then he decides to take some hostages to make sure that Judah behaves. 
And who better to take as hostage than Amaziah himself? So he, he leaves Judah with uh, Judah's king as a prisoner. So Judah now has no king and is expected to pay heavy tribute. Mm. And also he, of course, as payment then for this, uh, uh, for this injury that Judah bestowed on Israel, uh, Joash takes some stuff. Including the idols, the Edomites. Uh oh. So, what do Judah do now? I'm not sure he took all the idols. I, I'll get back to that. <clears throat> okay. But what do you do now if you're Judah? Your king is gone. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you do have a new, new vassal state in Edom. True. Well, if it was me, I would call for help. Yeah, they still don't do that, which is uh, interesting. Maybe calling in the Assyrians has some drawbacks as well, <laughs> I could imagine. Well, I guess if they're kingless, calling in the Assyrians might just make you Assyrians at that point. <laughs> uh, that's true. So I think Yoash's idea here is that Amasiah will continue to rule Judah as his prisoner. But... Judah looks around and sees if they have anyone else who could be the king. And Amasai has a son. So how does this work? Because I just told you that Amasai was 25 mm -hmm. in 796. So now Amasai is... This is in 791. Because this stuff has taken five years. Ah, uh, okay. So now Amasai has to be around 30, but he has a 16-year-old son. That's that's working fast. That is. Named Uzziah. So Judah decides to make Uzziah a co-regent. So he can rule together with his father, and his father is not around, so he kind of rules. So he got an even younger kid on the throne of Judah in 791 BC. Wow. Uh, but luckily, this 16-year-old appears to be a more competent ruler than his father. And he will be around for a very... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. 
Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Very long time. So remember Usaya, king of Judah. Usaya. Gotcha. Let's check back with the empire. Heading back to Assyria. So in 793 BC, Adad Nirari III attacks the Medes. We'll talk more about these attacks on the Medes in the next episode. But there is one in 793 BC. And um, we don't really know what Adad Nirari III was doing in 795 and 794 because the sources are bad unless he's around in the west and he isn't. In 792 BC, Adonirari III and the Assyrian royal army attack the Medes. Again. In 791 BC. They can't get enough of plundering the Medes. Yeah, it's like, if you have nothing else to do, why not attack the Medes? <laughs> Looks nice in the records, especially knowing what the Medes will be in the future. So their, their score against the Medes is good. In 791 BC, Adonir III attacks Kubushkia. We have talked about Kubushkia before, but I can't blame you if you don't remember this. Uh, Kubushkia is a border area between Assyria and Urartu. Mm, okay. This campaign could have been led by Shamshi Ilu, the Tutanu, the field marshal right. of the Assyrian army. Uh, Shamshi-Ilu feels very, very strongly about protecting the territory that used to be the domain of the Aramean tribe, Bit-Adini. This is northern territory of the Assyrians, and Shamshi-Ilu is of the Bit-Adini tribe. He's an Aramean, so he, he tends to prioritize defending this area against <laughs> Urartu. This exact thing happened in 801 BC as well. So there is tension at the northern border. I want to talk a bit about uh, Babylonia as well in 790 BC and the years around there. Because uh, remember what what um, shape Babylonia was in? It was in shambles. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Adonir III's father took spent a great effort and time on <laughs> making Babylonia wasteland. But there are indications that some of these years we don't have, uh, we don't know where Adonir III campaign was to Babylonian. And he might even call himself Babylonian king. But there are also other people that have gone down in the record as Babylonian kings that we don't know anything about. And there is a king at this time called Ninurta Apla X, where X stands for character that uh, cannot be read. We only have the name, and we only have parts of it. Oh, really? So, it's basically just a placeholder, so there's more to the name. Yes, and mm -hmm. uh, we don't know anything about this guy, except that he apparently liked Ninurta, or his parents did. <laughs> <laughs> it is possible that Adar Nirari III campaigned to Deir, D-E-R, which might mean Babylonia in 795 and or 794. But the sources are 
super bad. So let's jump to a totally different place in the world because we are trying to cover all of the world on this podcast, but the Assyrian sources and the Old Testament and stuff, they're just so much, contain so much more information than anything else. Right. That's why we tend to focus on the Middle East, but we really like to know about everywhere. So let's go to the Olmecs in Mexico, because they do something spectacular around this time. It's extremely hard to date exactly, but there are are pyramids being built in Mexico by Olme. Mm -hmm. And the first one is built in Lavea. It's their capital, their religion. Not really a capital. So the first pyramid is built in Laventa, the religious and symbolic capital of the Olmecs. Mm -hmm. The buildings in Laventa are placed symmetrically along a north-south axis. And they have four colossal heads facing outwards at key points. Right. I'm not sure how easy it is to place stuff on the north-south axis for an ancient culture, but they must be aware of where north is. Right. Oh, and that kind of goes back to, I think I said in the last episode, where they, you know, this one island had, yeah. um, I mean, they, they built a north-south map that, you know, was clearly in all the right proportions. So somehow, they had to have some level of astronomy. There's just... Uh it just seems like impossible not to. Maybe just to like identify the North Star and then you aim at the North Star. Yeah. So uh, these, this style of pyramids will be copied again and again by later Mesoamerican cultures. So this, this will influence the, the Maya and the Aztecs later. Right. Uh, the biggest pyramid is in Complex C in Laventa. It's still a big pile. <laughs> so you can, you can look at it today. It's uh, the pyramids are made almost entirely out of clay, right? And the, the great one was 110 feet high, so we're not talking like the Cheops pyramid here. Contained 100,000 cubic meters of earth fill. Mm -hmm. The Olmec pyramids have not been excavated, or at least not the greatest ones, but we have a destruction layer on the pyramids. They seem to have burned, <laughs> strangely enough. Uh, in uh, 394 BC, plus minus 30 years. Mm -hmm. So there is a period of pyramid building here for the Olmecs. Um, I, I think this is the, like the, the high time of the Olmecs. Right. Yeah, but the, uh, you have seen these things, yeah. right? Um, the ones that I've seen... Um... The, the most remarkable thing about them is they have that, well, one of them I saw was basically just a giant mound. Like, they said this is where a temple was, but it's it looked like an unnatural hill or mountain. That was, that was interesting because you could still see kind of the layout of it, but it looked like, like the, the earth had overtaken it. Um... It was just like, like I said, it's just a, a mountain. Um, but the others, 
it's a it looks if you want to th- if you're trying to build a pyramid out of Legos, you know how you're kind of constrained. Um, they don't make try you know they make them now, but you know basic building block set of Legos. You have that you know everything is a square, but you're trying to build you know triangles with squares, um, and then you know you have the uh, the center where you can walk up. Um, of each of the faces of the pyramid. Um, so it's a four-sided pyramid with like a structure on top of it, not a point like you see in um, um, Giza and all those places. With the yeah, not, great... not the smooth sides of the Giza pyramids. No, 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 no definitely not. Um, so like you're saying, if you're building with Legos, I hope this is a thing people understand. Um, when you're building up to a point, you actually have to offset each each additional layer. So you start off, let's say you used 100 bricks on the bottom. You would use fewer because you'd have to offset it a little bit. So you're like just inside. So you're making your circle, or it's really a square, that's a little bit smaller than the previous square. And then on top of that, you make another square that's a little bit smaller than the previous square. And then there's steps. You would think, oh, well, that's steps. But each one of these are like 10 feet high each. Yeah. So it's it's unreasonable to walk up those. So <laughs> then they would make stairways going up the the middle of each of uh you know at least a couple of sides. I I think there was some significance about which side you walked up. I cannot remember it offhand. I feel bad now. Um, yeah, that that could be later Aztec stuff as well. So yeah, that's true. It's hard to know what we can project from the Aztecs <laughs> back in time to the Olmecs. Exactly. So that was uh, that. That was my experience, and they're very, very um, steep. Um, walking up them, and uh, I think the one I walked up actually was not Olmec. I think it was. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Aztec. Yeah, the the first thing I think about when I see this is that uh, it's about Aztec human sacrifice, the sacrifice a human at the top and let his blood trickle <laughs> down the pyramid. You know, I, I, I know they say they did that, but the amount of blood you would have to spill to make it all the way back down these things would be astronomical. Yeah, I think that's uh, <laughs> it's, cinematic. <laughs> it's gotta be. Because I was just thinking about it. If Okay, if I took even two gallons of paint up to the top of one of these and let it go down, it would dry before it got any, anywhere close to being near the bottom. Yeah, of course. So, but uh, go- Google Olmec pyramids and you'll see what they look like because oh, yeah. they are pretty impressive. And of course, we still don't know what the Olmecs were really about because we can't read what they wrote. So sad. Yeah, so if we could, we, we could probably tell you more about other places than the Middle East. But that's all I had this time. So that's it for this time. Well, it looks like in our next episode, we're going to go into the 780s BC. We're going to get a closer look at the very dark time in Assyrian history. It's known as the interval. Yeah, we're, we'll not get into the interval next time, but we're g- getting a lot closer to it. So 
I thought New Royal III is kind of holding the Empire up. <laughs> and <laughs> when he will be gone, then uh, there will be problems. Well, with that in mind, please go to the YouTube, like, subscribe, share, tell your friends. We could use a review on iTunes. If you do review on iTunes, we will read it here on the podcast. Oh, yes. And also facebook.com slash fanofhistory. If you want to go to the website, it's thefanofhistory.wordpress.com. Um, also, patreon.com slash fanofhistory to keep things going along. Uh, yeah, if you like what we do, please support us at Patreon. We'll be very happy for a dollar an episode. It, it would make us ecstatic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And also, if you want to follow Dan, he's at Dan Horning on Twitter. If you want to follow me, I'm at Cerulean Says Hi. And for this week, I am Brennan. And I'm Dan. And this has been The Fan of History. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time.